Hey, can I have all y'all stand up for one second? I want to welcome all our campuses. Let's say hello to all the people in the military watching around the country, around the world. God bless y'all. Thank all of them for serving us. And, and all our campuses, microsites, and all the people watching online. God bless y'all. Um, how many of y'all saw the wedding yesterday? How many of y'all didn't see the wedding yesterday? Wow. wow. You didn't see any clips about the wedding? Nothing? Uh, that's what I mean. You saw pictures. Okay, okay, so, so yesterday uh, there was a wedding in England. <laughs> um, I, I, I was watching that. I just want to say, share a couple of a, a couple, three thoughts. One, um, I was telling my wife that was next level. She said, no, that was like next, next, next level uh, on uh, not only the gospel, but just the, the opulence of it. I, and my daughter's getting married soon. I was like, maybe I need to get a carriage. I need to get a castle. <laughs> You might want to rethink the castle. I mean, it was, it was just awesome. I, I, I think the, uh, the other thing that struck me, and I think that we need to uh, pay attention, is the power of love. Yeah. And, and how much love, what, I don't know what's going to happen through that, through that couple, but um, I'm praying that God does something supernatural through that couple. Can we get amen? Yeah. Amen. Um, one more thing. I had a couple of people send me emails that I was, get, you were getting um, uh, social media requests from me for money that I was stranded somewhere and I needed your help and all that stuff. You're never going to get it. If, if you ever get something from me saying I'm stranded in Australia and Africa, I need your money, just delete it because that ain't going to happen. So uh, there's a lot of false stuff out there. So I just want to let you all know that and just delete it. And uh, um, so anyway, how y'all doing today? Are y'all ready for church? Here's what I want to do. Uh, I want to take a second and just stand in silence and acknowledge the presence of God. Acknowledge the goodness of God amidst all the excitement and the busyness of life. So if all y'all, can, all the people watching online, all the campuses, just bow your heads and close your eyes and just stand here for just a second. We're going to take communion today. And we just want to tell God we love you. Lord, remind us of your presence. Remind us of your love for us. Reassure us that you haven't forgotten. Reassure us that you are in the midst of our burdens. That you are bringing us through the valley of the shadow of death. That you are a good God all the time. Take a deep breath. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, turn to someone next to you and say, you needed that. <laughs> How many of y'all needed that? Raise your hand if you needed it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> hey, can I, can I encourage you something in something very, very simple? Not only spend time with God every day, but when you do, ask him to give you wisdom. Amen. Not necessarily fix your problems, but give you wisdom. Because when he gives you wisdom, you can use it beyond that problem. And... And throughout the day, he, 
a lot of times, at least my experience, he speaks sometimes in one word or maybe a sentence. And he says, just dwell on that. And for you to operate listening and leaning into with anticipation that God is going to speak to you when you come to church, especially when you come to church, that if God is not speaking to you, uh, or if you're not hearing him, <laughs> there's, a, there's a disconnect. So you want to make sure you, you, you want to get something to God. So if you have a pen or a paper, or you should come with a pen and paper saying, God, I, I believe so much that you are going to speak to me that I have a pen. <laughs> I have a pen. And, and after service, we, we have meetings after, every, uh, after the service and review what happens. What did God say? So I want to challenge you and encourage you now to listen for something God's going to say to you that you wouldn't get anywhere else that is going to change the direction of your life or some decisions you're going to make. Can I get amen? Amen. Let's see your Bibles on the count of three. Say word. One, two, three. Say word. One more time. Say word. Turn to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. Every Good Friday, I preach one, a message one time to a small percentage of the church. And every Good Friday, I say, man, I need to do that message again. So today is that day. <laughs> My wife has uh, an old soul when it comes to certain TV programs. And one of them is Forensic Files. Anybody watch Forensic Files? And, and it's, it's an old show that has, they, they never came up to HD. It's in uh, uh, whatever that grainy underwater looking video is. And I don't really watch it because it looks old, right? But anytime I get caught up in it, you know, if she's sitting there and I just, okay, I'll sit here and I get caught up into the story. And if you don't know the forensic files, then basically it's, it's um, how they can take evidence about a murder or a crime and from a very small piece of evidence, trace back and find out who killed the person, usually someone got killed, how they were killed, where they were killed, and when they were killed. So they can find a hair on, on, on the bottom of a door three blocks away, and they can decide this hair blew through the wind because it was a storm on that day in 1927, and it blew through the wind. It came through these houses and went on a dog, off a dog, and then they went into the, and they could take the evidence from that little hair and say, this person was killed by this person on this day in this place in this manner. Same minute that's making sense to you, amen? And it's, and it's just so fascinating how they find this stuff years and decades later. If we studied the evidence of Jesus' death, and if we looked at the wounds that he had, we can trace back to find out who killed him. And it was us. <laughs> but I, I'm going to propose that we could also trace back to how we killed him. A lot of times, like we know that our sins killed Jesus. We know that Jesus died for our wounds. But is there any more specificity that we can at least guess at about what we have done and what we do to crucify the Lord. And does that matter to you? Because if you found out that you killed somebody, which our sin has, and we find out, man, this is what he died for. My, my grandson uh, just turned four. As a matter of fact, I was going to go to the royal wedding, but I had my grandson's fourth birthday party to go to. <laughs> and I told my son, I said, listen, I'm, I, you know, Megan called me. She wanted to know if I was coming. And I I said, I had, to go to, I had to go to MJ's birthday party. He's four years old. 
And he's the cutest kid. Y'all seen pictures if you're on my, uh, on my social media. You see kids, I have videos and pictures of him all the time. He's a great kid, and he really is a great kid. But he's human. Sometimes he gets on my nerves. <laughs> and when he's in the house doing his three, now four-year-old stuff, it reminds me of why Jesus died. <laughs> when you look in the mirror, do you know what it is about you that Jesus died for? And what he died that you wouldn't have to do anymore? Let's look at um, is Isaiah. I, I, told, I told you to turn to Matthew. Let me turn to Isaiah real quick, chapter 53. I just want to read this. It says, Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten, smitten by God, and afflicted. Verse 5 of chapter 3 of Isaiah 53. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Everyone say wounded. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. He, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we were healed. He was wounded. Everyone say wounded. He was wounded because of us. Everyone say he was wounded because of me. Because of me. When you look in the mirror, he was wounded because of you. But he was wounded not only because we did something. He was wounded so we don't have to do it again. That He can actually deliver you from your sin. That there's actually sin you do right now that you can stop doing. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Why? That we might become the righteous of God to him. Can you imagine you the righteous of God? Can you imagine that God can actually put you in a conversation with somebody and they can actually experience God through your life? Now. This is, this is, what's, this is what, what the, the cross is all about. It's not only you did all these things and I'm dying for you. Okay, that's real messed up. But it's also past the cross that you can actually become the righteous for God. So we're going to look at five wounds of Jesus from when he was crucified. And what can we learn if we were forensic scientists? What can we learn about our sins and how our sins cause those wounds? How many of you have ever um, had a conversation with somebody later to find out that something you said really hurt them really bad? Can I get an amen? And you go, man, I didn't know. And hopefully that breaks your heart to the point where you can say, I apologize if you have that opportunity. We're going to get that opportunity in a few minutes. Number one in your notes, a lacerated wound. A lacerated wound is a wound produced by a tearing or a ripping instrument. Matthew 27, 26. Matthew 27, 26, it says, Then he released Barabbas to them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. When Jesus was crucified, they ripped his clothes off, and they had this club with nine leather straps at the end. And in those leather straps were bone and metal chips. And the Romans, who were the masters of torture, whipped his back 39 times with the nine leather straps with the bone and metal chips in them, ripping the muscle and skin off the bone. Now, 40 lashes, lashes was basically a death penalty. You, you couldn't survive it. They gave him one less because they wanted to crucify him. And they whipped him 39 times and it 
they lacerated the muscle and the skin off the bone. I wonder how many times our backstabbing comments that paid for. When Jesus was tied around this pole with his bare back whipped and, and they would go, and that was you stabbing somebody in the back with something you said. You, you talking behind someone's back that was nice to you. You turning your back on somebody who was asking you for help and you said no. Jesus never, ever, ever said to them, I can't give my back to you. He always was there with his back ready to bear our burdens. Can I get amen? And, and as he's getting beat, if we can look at that and say, Father, is, is there anything that I did that was one of those lashes? And is there anything that I did that, is, that I did that caused one of those lashes that I don't need to do anymore? Can you imagine if you stopped gossiping and talking behind people's back? How many of y'all know somebody that, man, if they, if, if they could just not say something against somebody else for a minute, they'd be a transformed person. Can I get an amen? Any, anybody? Okay, anybody here? How about you? <laughs> Number two. The penetrating wound, a deep wound caused by a sharp pointed instrument. Matthew 27, 29. It says, when they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his hand. Uh, the crown of thorns that they put in Jesus on his head, the, the, they believe that the thorns were about two inches long. And when they pressed it in his head, obviously two inches of your bone is not two inches deep. So they pressed it into his head. Thorns is a symbol of the curse. When God created the heavens and the earth and he created the earth and Adam and Eve in the garden, after they sinned, God created thorns. It's a sign of the curse. Jesus had a symbol of the curse put on his head. I wonder, I wonder how many, if, if his thorns in his head and the wounds that he took to his head were symbolic of the thoughts that we have in our minds. Imagine if everything you thought came out as a word. You meet somebody and all of a sudden you start thinking about their appearance, whether good or bad. Someone's talking to you and you, all of a sudden you start thinking about their clothes or their accent or, or how dumb you think they are. And all the thoughts that we have about other people and even ourselves, how you can even think negative thoughts about yourself or what God is not going to do for you or the thoughts about how insignificant you are, the thoughts that the devil puts in your head about being hopeless and how your life is going nowhere and God doesn't love you and God's not going to bless you and the thoughts that represent your lack of faith in God because the, the devil constantly is bombarding you with negativity, constantly bombarding you with doomsday scenarios about what happened in your life and you're constantly going in your head about all these thoughts that God is saying, none of that is from me. And it's breaking his heart that you would doubt him or that you would think so less of yourself when he thinks so much of you that he died for you. And all those thoughts, God said, all those thoughts, are, are, I'm gonna die 
and pay the price for those thoughts so I can renew your mind. The Bible says, present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you could actually think good thoughts that are praiseworthy and honest and pure and holy. And that you could actually look at your drama and say, God is going to use this drama in my life for his glory. God's going to walk me through the valley of the shadow of death. So I fear, I fear no evil. God is going to turn what the devil meant into, from evil into something good in my life. Can I get an amen? He wants to transform your mind that you could take negative thoughts and take them captive. And make them obedient to Christ. And so when a thought comes and says, you are nothing, you're never going to be anything, you're not going to be blessed, the world's going to end in your life, and all this drama's going to come, you can say, no, stop, no, stop. I'm going to take that thought captive, and I'm going to make that thought be obedient. And I'm going to say, negative thought, you obey Jesus. God gave you that opportunity. Number three, a contused wound is a wound produced by a blunt instrument. Verse 20, Matthew 27, verse 30. It says, they spat on him. Has anybody ever been spit on? Can you raise your hand if you've been spit on? Anybody ever spit on anybody? <laughs> they spat on him and took a reed and struck him on the head. Blunt instrument. They also punched him in the face. I wonder if he was getting punched in the face. Because of things we said to people. Because of blunt things we said. And blunt actions we took against people. And arrogant things we thought. And selfish things we withheld from people. That is very specific. Things that we do all the time. That we come to church and then we punch somebody in Jesus in the face. And as he was getting beat. By, by the way, to the point where you couldn't even tell he was a man, he was getting beat. And they hit him with a rod, and they pulled his beard out, and they stuck thorns in his head, and they punched him in the face, and they slapped him in the face, and they spit him in the face because of things we said and things we do. I know so many people who take pride in speaking their mind. You know, the Bible says he who speaks for the matter without answering, before he knows the answer, he's a fool. And the next time you start to say something just because you feel it, catch yourself. Take that thought captive and say, Jesus, I only want to say that which edifies you and glorifies you. Because when he died, he died for all those things we say to hurt people. Being from New York, people in New York kind of, we, we kind of, uh, and, and I don't want to categorize all New York people, but there's a lot of New York people. We just kind of say what we want to say. If you ever go to New York to visit and people are just saying stuff to you, don't take it personal. It's just stuff we do. But sometimes if you have that as a habit, you can say things and go, oh, you know what, I shouldn't have said that because you just hurt somebody's heart. Number four, a perforated wound. This comes from a Latin word meaning to pierce through. A wound with an entrance and an exit. <laughs> Matthew 27, 31, it says, when they mocked him, they took off his robe and put on his own clothes and led him the way to be crucified. Obviously, we know, we've seen the picture of him being crucified, but when he was crucified, he was laid on wood and they took six to eight inch railroad spikes and nailed it through. Everyone say through. 
nailed it through his hands and uh, through his hands and they put one foot over the other at least this is the way we've seen it and they nailed it right through both feet and it went in and out the other side I wonder how many of our sins goes right through us what I mean by that is I wonder how many people curse because you cursed I wonder how many people smoke weed because you smoke weed I wonder how many people gossip because you gossip. In other words, the sin that was in your life went through you into somebody else. You know, the Bible says to make disciples. The Bible says to make disciples. Why? Because we've already made disciples of evil. We've made disciples of wrong by people following our example. Because no matter who you are, there's people following your example. And when you go to work, when you go to school, understand there's people watching you. And they're watching you for good or for bad. And they're going to follow your example. And either good is going to go through you to them or evil is going to go through you to them. And if we thought about the things we say and every time we're in a discussion and someone challenges you and you're in a discussion and you have an opportunity to lash out at somebody or gossip about somebody or repeat something that's negative or repeat something that's not even true, that somebody is watching you and somebody's going to say, you know what, uh, don't you go to the rock. Let's see what they do. Let's see what they say. And let's see if they justify their sin because of your sin. Why? Because you're a Christian. If Christians act that way, certainly they can act that way. I wonder how many people are coming, claiming to walk with Jesus, and they are taking advantage of the grace they have. Well, I'm saved, so I don't really have to be perfect because I'm saved by grace. I'm going to heaven, so I'm already good. And God said, no, no, no. Make disciples of righteousness, not disciples of wickedness. The last one is an incised wound. Incised wound is a cut produced by a sharp edge instrument. John chapter 19, verse 32. It says, then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water came out. Um, one of the things about CSI is that they can, they can not only tell you how someone was killed, but they can also tell you how someone died. Two different things. I can be killed by strangulation, but I can die fighting. In other words, they beat Jesus. They denied his disciples denied him. His disciples betrayed him. His own people said, crucify him. They turned their back on him. They put thorns in his head. But what he really died from was a broken heart. Because when they stuck that spear in his heart, your heart is in a sack called a pericardium sack. And your heart is in this sack. And what happened was his heart was so stressed that the white and red blood cells separated from themselves. So when they stuck the spear in his chest, it pierced the heart, sack around the heart, and the white plasma came out separate than the red blood cells and it looked like water. He actually died of a broken heart. God wants our hearts to break 
for our sin and his love for us. We're going to take communion in a minute. And here's my prayer for you is that you would think about, Lord, I want my heart to break for what your heart breaks for. I really want to identify something in my life that I, I need to change. I need to stop crucifying you over and over and over again. Because if you died and took punishment for that act, I don't want to keep committing that act. Because you died that I don't have to do that act anymore. When I first got saved, my cousin, who uh, we used to run wild together, he got saved before me, and he came into my house, and he went to a church that believed that they didn't sin anymore. They're very holiness, and he took me to that church a couple times, and, he, and he's like, Miles, you know, I don't sin anymore. I said, well, I don't understand how that could be possible. And we got in this discussion, and I was a young Christian, and I was confused by it. I was like, don't we always have to sin? Da, 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 da. And I found myself arguing for the right to keep sinning. <laughs> in other words, if I said to you, you're not going to sin anymore, you would probably say, no, we're going to sin. We're always human. And I get that that's probably practically true. However, why don't we argue? <laughs> and fight for the ability not to sin anymore. In other words, if you curse, you can actually stop cursing. Can I get an amen? Now, I, 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 want, I want you to think about this. You can actually stop cursing. If you get high right now, you can actually stop getting high right now. You really can't. If you gossip right now and, and tear people down with your words behind their back, you can actually stop doing that. So who's to say, who's to say how far you, God can take that? So the, the challenge is that your heart would break to identify one thing that Jesus died for. That you say, you know what, I don't want to keep doing that. I want God to purify me of that. So in a minute, we're going to take communion. Now here's the, here's the deal with communion. <laughs> You take communion because you acknowledge that Jesus died for your sin and rose from the dead. And you take communion remembering and acknowledging that you remember Jesus died for my sin and rose from the dead. What you don't want to do is take communion if you've never asked Christ to be your Savior because what you're telling God is, God, I know you died for me and I'm going to take this to acknowledge that I know you died for me, but I reject you. So we're going to give you an opportunity to ask Christ to be your Savior, then take communion. If you say, you know, I don't want that, which is obviously your choice, then don't take communion. Because what you do not get by taking communion is brownie points in heaven. In other words, you can't walk around rejecting Jesus, rejecting Jesus, and say, hey, God, I took communion. Can you let me in? It doesn't work that way. So just receive Christ, take communion, or... Just say, I'm not ready, which is fine. As we bow our heads and close our eyes, I want you to think about your life. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to us about our sin. I pray you would speak to us about our relationship with you. There are things in our life that you died for. There are things in our life that
you want to eradicate from our life, yet we hold on to them as part of who we are. Lord, as we pray here in a minute and give people an opportunity to ask Christ to be their Savior and then take communion, I want you to think about your life, your commitment to God. Is there something in your life that breaks his heart? things you say, things you do, things you look at, things you consume, conversations you participate in, thoughts you have about people, thoughts you have about yourself, thoughts you have about God. Something that you want to be nailed to the cross with Jesus. Something he already died for. He already suffered for. As we prepare to take communion, if you have never asked Christ to be your Savior, just pray this prayer with me. And there may be somebody that you need to pray forgiveness for something you're doing. You can include yourself in this prayer. Pray, dear God, it breaks my heart that my sin nails you to that cross. It breaks my heart that my words, my thoughts, my actions crucified you. Killed you. Jesus, please forgive me. I surrender my life to you. I surrender my sin to you. I surrender my heart to you. Fill me with the Spirit of God. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge your presence. We acknowledge your ministry to our lives. I pray that you are speaking to people right now. And you are loving them, encouraging them. If you prayed that prayer to ask God to forgive you, just lift your hands up really high. We can see you. God bless 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 you. Lord, you want us to be holy as you are holy. I pray that we would have that desire. In Jesus' name, amen. If you can get out your communion cups. If you don't have one, just lift your hand up and the ushers will bring you one.
at the Last Supper, Jesus took the bread and broke it. He said, this is my body. Let me paraphrase. That was lacerated for you. This is my body that was penetrated for you. This is my body that was contused for you. This is my body that was perforated for you. This is my body that was incised for you. This is my body that was hit with clubs that had thorns pressed in it, that was whipped with a cat of nine tails, that had a spear jabbed into it. This is my body that had nails hammered through it for you. So when you take this, I want you to remember that the suffering, the specific suffering I did for your specific sins is what this represents, my sacrifice, my pain, my death. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name. Then he took the cup and he gave thanks and said, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood. Lord, we acknowledge that your blood was the perfect payment for our sin. Therefore, we have no need to be guilty before you. As a matter of fact, the Bible says to come to the throne of grace with boldness and confidence that God loves us. So we take this acknowledging that we, we stand before you innocent. We stand before you accepted. We stand before you blessed with all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name. In all the campuses, I'm going to ask you all to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you all to listen very carefully. There are many of you who raised your hand because you prayed that prayer with me. In a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand. And you can ask the person who came with you to come stand with you. But there are many of you, others, who need prayer for healing. You need prayer for encouragement. You need prayer for a word of knowledge from somebody. You have a burden you're carrying. I'm going to ask you to stand as well here in a minute. Because God wants to minister to you. He wants to serve you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to be a blessing to you. So as the eyes are closed and our heads are bowed and all the campuses online and microsites, if you prayed that prayer a few minutes ago, or if you're saying, I just want someone to pray with me because there's stuff in my life I want Jesus to remove. There's stuff in my life I'm having a hard time carrying, burdens that are weighing me down, stresses I can't handle. I can't encourage you enough to get into an R group and get a group of people around you that are going to love on you, encourage you, 
walk this journey with you because we cannot do this alone. Because sin is knocking at the door constantly. Temptation is pursuing us constantly. Stress is after us constantly. And we cannot do this alone. So if you prayed that prayer or you're saying, yes, I want someone to pray with me, I'm going to ask you to stand on the count of three. And again, tap the person next to you and ask them to stand with you if you want. On the count of three, stand your feet in all the campuses. One.